What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Betting Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Caleb, and we are getting in a little late night edition of the pod. Girlfriend's out doing some haunted house shit. No chance I was going to go. She knew that, but uh, I got the room to myself. Don't have to worry about waking anyone up. Still can't be too loud because the roommates, you know, but uh, we're going to grind out a pod tonight for sure. Got to get up early in the morning. Then we got football, man. I just want to, you know, I'm realizing, especially on weekends, there's just no point at putting the pod out at, at even 12. It's too late. It's too late. Get it up so people can listen early. I hear you. I hear you. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We also got NBA. I think first game starts a little bit earlier. So um, let's do a little recappy of how tonight went down. Um, again, you know, we we talk about every game. So it, it's cool. Not just it doesn't only just help me, you know, bet as I talk through it, but it helps, you know, like because I have leans or whatever on every game, it, it really does help at the end of the day to, to know like, where we're at consensus wise on teams and, and how the leans are even looking and the, the leans are even looking pretty good. So I feel pretty good. Uh, it's again, it's still early and, and a lot of people can fall myself included um, can fall into the trap of uh, attaching too much meaning uh, to small sample sizes early on. We, uh, we again still have to keep in mind the big picture and the talent level and the coaches um, and, and not just, draw too much from what we're seeing but at the end of the day the eyes and what we're seeing right now i do think do hold the the most weight for sure um when we're capping these things but anyways let's recap today we started off the day with an l pistons money line minus 120 again the thinking of this game coming in was <clears throat> that the pacers are in full-on tank rebuild mode right it's like all right we got all these young players we're going to throw them all out there and hope that they get better. The Pistons have done that the past two years, and now they're in, okay, we're, we're not making any real run. Like, they're, they're not saying that to themselves, but, like, I think the front office in the back of their minds, hey, we're not making any real run, but can we progress? Can we grow from being a bottom feeder to not necessarily a bottom feeder? A, can we, yes, we're going to lose some close games, but can we be a competitive basketball team? Because very, very rarely do you go from young team to boom, playoff team in one year, right? You, you, you need that grinded out year where you lose some tough games and you lose some close games. Um, but ultimately, over the course of 82, more often than not, you show up and it's a competitive game. And that I'm getting all deep into this, but. Uh, that's that's what I'm expecting from the Pistons this year. And they came out, and you could see they were the better team. Um, they were up 10 at the end of the first. Starters really dominated the Pacers starters. And then the bench came in, didn't quite, get, right? Be, because when the when the starters go on that run, they're they're in a momentum. You're feeling good. Every, every time they came down, they felt like, hey, we're going to get a pretty good shot. Um, and it was the opposite for the Pacers. But then the bench came in, um, and it just – it. The, the quality didn't hold up and basketball is a funny game like that because once the momentum left it trickled down into the starters as they slowly but surely came back in um and by then the Pacers had already kind of ga- found their rhythm and then you can smell it 
you could smell it, right? The whole second quarter, the Pacers were better, uh, and they got the lead down from 10 to 4, but they had the momentum going in into halftime. They come back, reestablish that again, and then the you you could just feel it. Even when it was like, all right, the, the Pacers are only up one uh, with like seven, six minutes left in the third, you could feel like, okay, the, they are coming the, the Pistons have to stop this run now or it's it's going to be too much. And it ultimately was. Cade got going towards the end, but um, at that point, the, the Pacers were just getting much easier, much more in rhythm looks. And I, I have to say, um, I was really impressed with, with Isaiah Jackson and, and Jalen Smith. Um, both of them were absolute trees um, at protecting the paint. And it wasn't just guards going at him. Uh, it was bigs they were blocking. It was wings they were blocking. They made everything really, really tough at the rim. Um, and I was surprised. I, I know Isaiah Jackson can block shots, but, you know, I think of him more as a weak side come in a race rather than anchor that damn paint. And I don't care if you're loading up, driving at me. I'm going to jump straight up and affect your shot. And Jalen had a lot of those, too. Jalen, honestly, was the more impressive of the two to me. Um, but I, I know we're going super in depth. But I, but I really, you know. I misread that, and I think I think I know it was a back to back for both, but I think it affected the the Pistons a little bit more. Um, they the the Pacers killed them on the glass, and there were seven to eight points in the game where there was a loose ball, and the the Pistons were just on their back heels. And it's one of those things where you okay, you go for it, but like it's it's not it's not like it needs to be like that, and it wasn't like that, and it was for the Pacers, anyways. All in all, it was the wrong side, despite the way that they came out, and uh, wasn't enough. Sorry, I just went really in deep. It's just like I locked in for that game, um, and it was frustrating. It was frustrating, so I just had to spill that all out. But we did cash uh, Jalen Hardy over twenty four and a half, just a low ass number. I think he finished over like with 31, 32 points, rebounds, and assists. Just heavily involved. He's a spark plug. He is like he plays honestly like a young Russ, um, where his first step is so damn electric, but it's getting to the point now where everyone knows that is what he's trying to do. He's trying to take a power dribble, right? And just go by you. And he's going to do it at times, but defenses are able to load up. Now there are a lot of times in transition too, where he, um, he was just in a hurt. He, he wasn't really reading the, the game. It was just, let me run down. There was literally a possession where Pacers score and you know, the NBA now, uh, if they score and not everyone's back, boom, outlet, and we're going trying to get an easy bucket. Jalen Hardy gets it, and, and there's enough people back. There's maybe one or two Piston players at half court, one guy in the corner, and Jalen Hardy's sprinting down, jumps up in the air. There's four Pacers defenders there at the rim. I think he still kicks it back out to like the guy at half court. Uh, but it's just, you know, he, he's got to slow the game down. But the, the tools are incredible. And once the game does slow down, he's going to be really good. All right. Enough of that game. We cash Mavs minus five. Just was a, a hammer spot. An absolute hammer spot. Um, love them today. You you come off of just a, a – they should have won that game in Phoenix. They, they really should have won that game. You get two days to stew on that. Get a Memphis Grizzlies team that you've had battles with that you know are, you know, kind of comparable with uh, that – you know, some people may say are better, um, and I think the Mavs are, but, um, and then they're coming in back to back three games and four nights, one of those games being an OT loss or an OT win. Um, and the defense really not looking good in, in two straight games. It was just, 
everything held up. It was one of the, those are the best bets in my opinion. The ones where it like, obviously anything can happen, but even five minutes in, I was like, dude, this it's looking like it's going to be a long night for Memphis. And it was so uh, great to cash in on that. And then um, what did we finish off with Donovan Mitchell? over seven and a half or six and a half assists shout out shout out to Royce he he put me onto that like to me I just kind of assumed you know um star player Darius Garland's out like that line's gonna be where it should be um but then the more I looked you know is like okay the the way the the Cavs were going to be constructed was it, the the usage was going to be all Donovan and Garland Right? That's just how you split it up. And it's what makes the most sense. A little cares here and there, but all Donovan and Garland. You take you know that Garland out of the picture, it's just a ton is going to fall on his hands. And I don't think the books uh, you know, accounted enough for that. You know, there are a lot of times where a star goes out and that gets dispersed evenly throughout different role players. This was not one of those situations. And uh shout out to Royce for for putting us on. Also, if you don't follow him. Uh, on Twitter at Royce Betts, I believe. I, I want to make sure. I don't, I don't want to give off the wrong. No, that's just wrong. At Royce, no, that's his real. That's his real one. Um, no, I, I'm not even gonna pause. Like this is important. Yeah, I got it right the first time. At Royce Betts. All right. <clears throat> that is uh and. and that was that, bro. Like he he soaked up that usage, and and obviously he was really efficient in that usage, and uh, pretty stress free runner. He actually had zero assists in the first quarter, and then popped off for like six in the the second, and then got his first or seven in the second. I was like, ah, oh, dude, uh, I love it, I love it, and and that's the great thing too about Donovan is like I I really do think he's a capable passer. I think he's a good passer, um, and once he 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 came out just blazing hot scoring the ball. Once that happens. You know, they're overcommitting, overhelping, and that's when good pastures can manipulate defenses and, and create easy buckets. Anyways, long ass intro today, but I'm fired up. The NBA's back and I fucking love it. Uh let's get into the slate tomorrow. All right. First game and, and my book's not fully updated with all these things. So you get a live look at what I'm looking at. Um from my uh from my books. All right, first game of the day tomorrow is going to be the Lakers and Blazers. Tips off at 12.30. Nice little noon 30 tip. I'm seeing Lakers three and a half in most spots right now. I uh, I think that's exactly fair. I think that's exactly fair. Um, again, we, we just can't take too much from two games with the Lakers. And it looked ugly against the Warriors, but that's a Warriors team that's really built to just cut through them. Just cut through them, and you, and you're seeing the problem with the Lakers right now is is just the lack of shooting because Bron's always going to make the right play, and a lot of times that right play right now is a wide open three point shooter who's not shooting it with confidence. Um, but at the end of the day, like Bron and AD are still there, they are still there, and and you saw it against the Clippers. The Clippers are a really good team, and that was a fully healthy Clippers team. Uh, the Clippers were the better team throughout, but the Lakers battled and chipped and never went away. And next thing you know, with five minutes left, it, it was a one possession game. Um, and I, I'm not saying the Blazers are like fool's gold. Like, I, I think they're legit. And I, I do think they're at worst a playing team. But 
you know, they easily could have lost that Kings game. They were down five with five minutes left. And I would say for the first three and a half quarters, the Kings were the better team. Um, and that, that win, regardless, it's impressive against Phoenix, right? But this isn't the same Phoenix team in my eyes. Like it's a, it's a Phoenix team that does have some holes. Um, and, and Phoenix could have very easily won that game too. And I know I sound like a hater. All I'm here to say is like, I am not coming away from these two performances from the Portland Trailblazers and saying, wow, this is a legit team. Like, you know, I, I'm saying that with the Pelicans. I am not there yet with the Blazers. And so for me, you're getting a Lakers team, two tough opening games against the Warriors and Clippers. This is the win. This is like, all right, we, we're going to win. This is the spot, right? This is the get over the hump spot. And, and you have to remember, Braun and AD are the two best players on the floor. They're at home. Like, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but but I definitely I definitely would lean Lakers here tomorrow. I, I'd, I'd like three because I think there's a very good scenario. There's a very likely scenario that the, the Blazers are in this in the fourth quarter. Um, but when it, when it ultimately comes down to it, I think this is a game the Lakers pull out, and you really don't have to be the better team by that much to cover three, three and a half. You know, you just close game. And you grind it out at the end. But those are not necessarily the bets I, you know, I'm looking for. So for me, it's a lean to the Lakers. We're not playing it at, at this point. At this point, we're not playing it. All right, let's get to the next game. Uh, we're going to go Hornets Hawks into Atlanta. Hawks are 10 and a half point favorites tomorrow. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a ton of Hawks basketball. Um, I've seen bits and pieces here, but I haven't really locked in for for a game. Um, for me, this is more a fade of the Hornets. And the the big key piece here, the reason why, the, the, the main reason why I'm on this is Terry Rozier is doubtful. Um, he sprained the absolute hell out of his ankle against the Pelicans. I, I don't know how he kept playing. There's it's. If he plays tomorrow, he's an absolute dog because I, I've it was a legitimate real role the type that honestly keeps you out at least two weeks, at least two weeks. And and we, you got to remember these guys are playing at the highest of levels. Like you need that ankle to be right, to be effective. Regardless, he is, he has absolutely held this team together. He's absolutely held this team together. And, um, you know, I feel like the books have, have to this point after that Spurs game have just been kind of like, all right, you know, after that Spurs game, they blow out the Spurs. You know what? We respect you. You're not terrible. Um, and I think without Terry, this team is fully terrible. Um, this is a guy, Terry, who's averaged 23 and a half points, eight, eight and a half assists, seven rebounds, 40% from three, um, you know, played 36 minutes last game. You look at the roster if Terry's not there. Gordon Hayward is the best player. Gordon Hayward's a, th- a four on a really good team. Maybe a five, but probably four. If Gordon Hayward's your four, you're feeling good. He's the number one here. Uh, then we got Kelly Oubre. Nope. Role player. Can't make his own decisions. Can't create for himself. If he gets hot, he can score. P.J. Washington. Decent stretch big, but not someone you can rely on night in, night out. Mason Plumley, Probably at this point a bottom five center in the league. He does his thing, like, right? Like he, he offers some nice qualities. Not enough. Then you got Jaden McDaniels, who's actually been playing well. Sorry. Jalen McDaniels, 
Dennis Smith Jr., who's having a little bit of a renaissance, but it's still Dennis Smith Jr., and Nick Richards and James Booknight. Like, you take Terry out of the mix, like, that is their glue. That is their glue. With Terry and Gordon there, they can kind of, they can almost play up, right? They can play up as better versions of themselves because they know, hey, night in, night out, we have a free mind. We can take any shot that we want, and ultimately it's okay because the offense isn't really going to come from anyone else. And that just frees your whole mind and game up, right? Um, and, and obviously Gordon will be, you know, a high in a high usage role, but it's just not enough. Terry is the 1A there, um, and he's gone. And you look at the Hawks, yes, I haven't watched much of their games, but I do value their wins. Um, I do, and it might sound silly because they're against the Rockets and the – the magic but the rockets are not bad they're really not bad their their defense is bad but they can score with any team and they're not an easy play they're not they won by 10 still right it wasn't like they squeaked it out they won by 10 over the course of 48 and that's what the good teams have done right the bucks they won by a little bit more but it was a brutal spot for the rockets um grizzlies the rockets they were winning going into the fourth they very easily could have won that game um like competitive and then the magic you you see the magic the magic have grinded magic have grinded they went into detroit opening night for detroit we're right there one possession game could have won that game up the box score says they lost by four could have won that game then obviously they go in atlanta uh play them tough hawks they ultimately pull away by 10 but then today magic go home opener against the celtics no jalen suggs obviously markel is still out and they grind it out. They they grind it out. I think they covered eight and a half or whatever the spread closed at. Yeah, they covered eight and a half, lost by six, home opener. And this is like not their peak version, right? They are missing their whole ass point guard in Markel Fultz. They're missing Jalen Suggs, right? And and so and and Gary Harris, who would honestly, I, I'm not even gonna lie to you. If Gary Harris was healthy through training camp, he would be starting at the two right now. There's no doubt in my mind that he'd be starting at the two right now. So they're missing their starting one and two in my eyes. Now Jalen Suggs today, and they still grinded it out against the champs. And the Hawks beat this team, that team by 10, right? And I know Orlando played Boston at home, but like, I, I it sounds crazy, but I, I really do think beating both those teams by double digits, those both those teams I feel are, are a good bit better than the Hornets. Um, and, and it seems like, again, haven't watched them a ton, but it seems like this pairing is is working. Um, it seems like there's synergy. Like it just, I don't think that these guys would be able to put up these numbers if there wasn't, right? Like Trey Young, 25, 4, and 13. Uh, DeJounte Murray, 29 and 9 uh, against Orlando. Then uh, against Houston, granted, very bad, very bad defensive team. Uh, Trey Young, 23, 3, 13. DeJounte Murray, 25 and 11, like five steals. Like he's playing 37 and 38 minutes. Like there's there's synergy there. Over the course of 48 minutes, if Terry Rozier is not out there, I mean, just think about it. <clears throat> and, the, and the Hawks also tend to just play a lot better at home. They're one of those teams I love to target at home, right? Just having bet the NBA heavily for the last four years. When they have a good team, and obviously most teams play better at home, but like the Hawks really turn up. Um but you got to think over over the course of 48 minutes, guys, with this team, Terry Rozier's the glue at, you know, he's gone. How many 10-0 runs are the Hawks going to go on, right? Like there's there's going to be multiple moments where the Hawks are going to go on a m- double-digit run or a big, big enough run. 
And how many times is that going to happen to the Hornets? They might go on a real run, like where they score eight to ten points in a row, twelve in a row, once or twice. It's just, I got the Hawks. I got the Hawks. Heavy lean. Uh, I'm going to think on it before I go to bed. But I, I try to lock these in the night before because uh, if you're if you're right, generally the money, not always, but generally the money moves your way. Um, and so we want to get the best line. And, and honestly, with a number like 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 12 and a half, like these are these are key numbers in my mind. These are, are you know, you, you have the football key numbers, but like in a spot like this, especially with the back doors, the back door is never fully closed with a spread like this. So um, I'd r- much rather have obviously 10 and a half than, than 11. But as of now, I'm seeing most of the bets on the Hornets, but it can't be very many bets. Like I don't know if that's significant enough money or indicative of what we're going to see. Um, all right, let's keep it rolling. All right, next, we're going out to New Orleans where the Pelicans are hosting the Jazz. Seven and a half point favorites. <sighs> this is such a tough but fun cap. Let's do our best. Um, Utah Jazz, man, got to be the most surprising team in the league right now. Ha- has to be, right? I took their under 30 and a half. Still not ready to panic, but uh, damn, they're playing well together. Um, and, and you look, let's let's try and do what we've been doing. Let's try and, and see how much stock, how little, how much stock we're putting in their wins. Uh, Denver at home, slacking, uh, win by 20. Dude, that's a big win. No matter how you slice it, that is a big win. I don't care if the Nuggets had a bad night. Like, I, I don't care. That is a big win. Any way you slice it. Then they go to Minnesota, get smacked in the mouth early on. They they lost the first quarter by 15 points. And then they they won the second quarter handily, dominated the third. Fourth was even go to OT, win an OT. Uh, and we've talked about it on the pod. Like I, I mean, even last the the game before or the night before when we were doing the pod, I was saying like Dude, they just bought all these role players, but very capable role players. Um, and then they're hoping to just find the star with with the draft picks, all the draft picks that they've acquired. But they're just like building the nucleus right now. Um, and as a result, they're getting to play like they're 10 deep. They're 10 deep. Jordan Clarkson free to be his like we talked about it with, uh, <clears throat> you know, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Jordan Clarkson's in that mode right now, right, where he comes in. He's him and Mike are the really the only ones who've been on this team. Um, so it's that, you know, they were here. They, it's just natural, like social dynamics. Like the, it's their team. It's their team. They were here. They've been here chilling in Utah um, and they're free to go hoop. So Jordan Clarkson, 29 points last game, 10 of 17, uh, played 34 minutes. Honestly, it was cold the first game, but uh, Larry Markman has come over from Cleveland, been a, uh, unreal so far didn't even shoot the ball from three well last game and still put up 24 13 and five and this is what i get so passionate about because we've seen it time and time and time and time again players do not develop at the same rate all players develop differently and a lot of times it takes a situation to bring the best out of you it's so hard when you're a 19 20 year old no matter how talented you are you know the nba is a business and 
if you aren't comfortable with your situation, whether it be the location, whether it be the organization, your role, the million different things, you're not going to be able, it's, it's really hard to overcome that. It's really hard for a young person to overcome that. Laurie Markman is still by, you know, standards young. He's in Utah and it seems like this place has unlocked him and this talent has always been there, which is why it was so shocking. This is a guy who averaged 16 and eight as a rookie, 21 year old, you know, Finnish guy with just pure skill, with pure skill. And then Chicago killed him. And then he kind of baby revived himself in Cleveland. But we'll see if he's able to keep this up. But this has been really, really good. And I'm sorry, I'm going off. But okay, let's go down the line. It's a betting podcast, not a basketball podcast. All right. Kelly Olenek, solid. Mike Conley, again, we've talked about him. Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Colin Sexton, Walker Kessler, Taylor Horton Tucker, the vet Rudy Gay. Like, it's just those are all guys where if you say, hey, they're on your team. Um, and obviously, you know, the price matters, but, and, and the role they have to play matters. You're not mad at it. You're not mad at any of those players. Meanwhile, the Pelicans have just been dominant, dominant. They go into Brooklyn, destroy them. They go, uh, on the road to Charlotte one by 12 and they controlled that whole game. So it, they've really only shown positive signs. The defense has been pretty good. And obviously they just have so many different ways to attack you. Home opener for them. This is a tall task for the Jazz, but it, it's funny because the war it's the Warriors, you know, catch rage, but like it says this is the definition of a strength in numbers squad. Like they don't need one guy to do it. They have so many different guys. And if just a couple of them have good nights, they're in the ball game. And that is the goal for the Jazz again. This game is stay in the ball game, have it be within the breach in the fourth. And then go make up all out push, go make a push with your squad. And I think that's the formula. That's the recipe. And I think it's doable. I think it's doable. I think, I think this line, honestly, after going through it, if you're again, it's hard The the jazz are a really tough read because again, what I said, we're, we're not just using the two games, right? We want to also look at the, the track record and the big picture, but you can't do that with the jazz. It's a new coach and a completely different team. This team has never been close to assembled before. Um, and so you're just trying to piece bits and, you know, piece different players and, and their situation together and and a, with a new head coach and figure it out. So right now we've seen two games. That's what we have to go off of. And if we're going off of that, I think this line should be at like six and a half, maybe seven. But the I th- the thing is, I think the Pelicans are going to get hammered. I don't know, though. Maybe the public is down for the Jazz. It, they're such a tough read, um, which for me makes it all the more likely that I'm going to just stay off. You know, like I like them against Minnesota, but I was like, I, do I trust it? It's been one game. I don't know. Um, so for me, the line has to scream it. Very interesting cap, though, and should be a really fun game. Um, I'm going to stay away, though. It's small lean of the uh, Jazz, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if by tip this is like eight, eight and a half, in which I'd lean even more, obviously, towards the Jazz. All right, Washington Wizards and the Cleveland Cavs. Cavs, they're not out on my book, but I'm seeing on my Action Network app and consensus apps that they're, I think, three and a half. Um, and honestly, for me, guys, I, I lean the Cavs. Let me tell you guys why. 
Um, we look at Washington, obviously, 2-0 have looked really good in these last two games. But if we again, we're going to go try and assign meaning to their last two games. First game in Indiana, opening night for the Pacers. We saw that same Pacers team beat the Pistons. We know they're capable. Um, but they are a team that is, you know, has a lot of new pieces. That's very, very young. Um, you look at the starting lineup. Aaron Neesmith's in there. Jalen Smith, who's shown flashes, for sure shown flashes, is in there. Uh, Buddy Heald, who this is not really the team that accentuates him, right? Like he is there to absolutely snipe. Outside of sniping, he doesn't really do anything else too well. He's not a great passer. He's not a great defender. And uh, at times when he's hitting uh, and guys are going to have to really, really play up on him, he can go by and finish. But he's not a guy who can consistently do that. Um, especially without the threat of a shot. Regardless, there's not a lot there to me. Um, They can get hot at times, but the Wizards controlling that wire-to-wire is a good win for sure. You're not taking anything negative from that, but it's also, to me, not this big deal. Then, Bulls, they're without Zach Levine. Uh, they, They end up winning by two. And I think that's the thing with the Wizards. It's like when they're playing their peak basketball, it's pretty damn good. Right, Beal's cooking, KP's cooking, Kuz is hitting every damn shot. But I just think there are po- gonna be pockets of space, and this could—I don't, you know—I haven't watched a ton of them, and they are semi-deep. But I just think there's, there's, they're prone to having certain moments where even though they were the better team than the Bulls, the majority of that game, it ends at two, right? It ends at two. To me, that's more of a concern than anything. And you could look at it as, hey, they're capable of playing really well. That's very fair way to look at it but to me i look at it more as hey when they play their best that's great but there's going to be pockets in the game where they don't play their best i think the Cavs can absolutely exploit those pockets and again nothing is as simple as this to that right because every game takes on its own thing for sure i get that but you take a look at just how both these teams played the bulls right like the wizards played the bulls at home, and yes, they were the better team, but they won by two. And that Bulls team didn't have Zach Levine. No Zach Levine, right? That That's their second best player. That's an all-star that they didn't have. The Cavs, without Darius Garland, went into Chicago today on the home opener and dominated them. Dominated them. Like the, the, the Bulls came out hot at the start, but Cavs controlled the game the whole, really the whole way, the rest of the way. Like, you, you have that right there within the span of two days. Cavs dominated a supposed, what probably if you put Levine out there, you're going to be better more often than not, a better Bulls team on the road than the Wizards did at home. You're getting a half, right? Three and a half is basically saying that they're a half point better. They're one point better. And I know the back-to-back play is a factor, but Chicago to Cleveland isn't terribly far. Um you know, the Wizards played a day ago. It's not like they've had all time, all this time to rest. Yeah, I, and it's still a team that's integrating some new pieces. So for me, I know the Cavs are too, but um, I just think at home, man, it's, they're what I know they won today, but they haven't won at home. At home, bro, like back-to-back or not, they're going to get that one done. I, I got to think they will. And there's a, I could see the Wizards losing but by, by less than three. I could definitely see that, but I, I would lean Cavs. I'd have this more at five. Um, personally is where I'd have it. Minnesota OKC. 
Um, all right, let me take a quick sip of water. Minnesota OKC. I lean OKC here. And another tough spot because it is a back-to-back for them. And Minnesota's off a loss. I don't like that factor of the game. But I think there are plenty of times where we we overextend meaning to it. And again, I may very well may have gotten burned by it today. Like, I don't know if the Pistons lose that if that's not a back-to-back. But to me, this implies about a 10.5-point difference. And we just saw on opening night, it's not. It's not, and I know the back-to-back's probably baked into there to some extent, but I think the Timberwolves still have some issues. I do, and I think OKC getting their first game at home against a team that they already lost to, they can hang within seven. They can, they, they can make this a game, and you look at OKC, they're another team where as long as they're healthy, they're not going to be a team you want to play. They're not going to be a team that is an easy win really ever again you see Timberwolves opening night down by 14 at halftime eventually they, they were winning in the fourth Teals pulled it off but they were winning in the fourth same sort of deal today Denver winning in the fourth <laughs> they were winning in the fourth Denver wins by five though and and this is what I was talking about earlier with the magic this is the type of uh, you know season where you you want to see where yeah you're losing some games and you have some tough L's but those are the ones that you need to go through to get to the other side. And I think the Thunder are a perfect example of that team right now. And I, I think Shea's a, the, a huge part of that. You know, that's what the Pistons want Cade to be, is to solidify himself as that. But as for this game, I think you're going to see this a very similar thing. I think what – and the Thunder could win, but I think you're going to see a game that is close. The, the, the Timberwolves are going to be up maybe 10-12 some point in the first half. Other than that, it's close the rest of the way. The the Thunder get it down probably near halftime, maybe early third, mid-third, and it's a close game from there to the end of the game. And then the Timberwolves win by four, five, maybe six. Like, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, And so, obviously, for that reason, I like seven and a half. There's ways that goes wrong. um, But I think more often than not, the Thunder keep this in check. um, And they grind out a, a close out. But... Still lean at this point. Still lean at this point. I do. I do think that this Timberwolves team has a is a in a little bit of trouble. Like the the Jazz scored very easily on them, very easily, and so did so did the Thunder. To be honest, and offensively, it's pretty. It's a pretty short rotation. Jalen Noel's maybe touching twenty. The rest of those guys, they're they're relying on them and they're still figuring it out. So heavy lean on the thunder, but the back to back and the T wolves off a loss, make it a little bit tougher to bet. All right. Second to last game, Kings and warriors Kings, nine and a half point underdogs. Oh, it's tough dude. Cause I can't lie. I feel like every other game, every other, you know, all 29 other teams, I can, I can break down it and with confidence feel like, all right, there's not that much bias in there because we're always fighting our biases. We want to make sure we're seeing it for what it really is, not because of what we want to see. But um, I feel like I'm decent. I'm pretty decent at that with the 29 other teams. The Warriors, I'll admit, it's still a team where it's like, I'll make a read. And it's sometimes it's even like opposite bias where it's like, I don't even want to come across as too much of a homer. 
And so I'll be conservative with a take. You know, I just kind of get in my head with this team. It's kind of weird. Um, nothing too crazy. Like, I'm not going to, you know, fully just predict an L when I don't think it's an L. But, like, you know, it's it's. I feel like a little bit harder for me to trust my read, even though, I, you know, they're the team I watch the most. In terms of this game, uh, the Nuggets always play us well. I'm not sweating that L too hard. Um, they just always do relative to the talent that they have. I know we beat them in the playoffs, but like even that series, Jokic was playing with nobody and it was a competitive series for going five games. On top of that, they had just gotten smacked up by the jazz on opening night. Right. So they were always going to come in there guns blazing. Obviously I, I hope we could still win that, but um, <clears throat> overall, I think we're good. But I do think Kerr, like I always call him a cheeky little slut. And what I what I mean by that is he's just so, such a good coach and the organization's been so good that he can do that thing like when you're doing like, I don't know, maybe I'm different in this, but like playing Madden and it's like, oh, I'm splitting the carries and giving a second back who's pretty nice, like 40% of the carry. You know, I'm developing my young guy with a bunch of potential. Um, and they can do that. They can afford to do that. And... and Obviously, when they need wins, Steph's going to play those minutes. But, like, they're working Dre back. They're working Clay back. And it's a lot of young player minutes. And they're capable. They're skilled. They're talented. It's a good system. But, like, Steve Kerr's not the type, especially right now, where let's say they're, you know, even down 10 in the fourth. He's not going to adjust the rotation to get Steph back in. He might, like, maybe by a minute. But, you know, the to him right now, it, he's in development mode because he feels confident enough that they can win in development mode, right? But they're not going for the kill right now. And then they can get there sometimes because they're really good at basketball. But I I have to lean the Kings here. And for me, it's hard because my what my mind immediately goes to, again, is because I'm just thinking of the, the people side of this. Mike Brown was the coach of the King, uh, of or assistant coach of the Warriors. He was, he was Steve Kerr's right-hand man, a huge hand in the defense for, you know, the past four or five years. I honestly should know that off the top of my head. I would guess he's been here for five to six years, and he's just not – he honestly might have been with Kerr the whole time, right? Obviously, he gets this dope opportunity to be a coach again. It's hard to get that offer. There's only 30 spots, right? And, and when you haven't gotten it for five years, I know, obviously, part of it was he wanted to stay there, but – you know, you get that opportunity, you got to take it. Um, and the Kings have, have lost both games this year, but they've been to good teams. You know, you don't, you would like to have seen them grind that win out. And I honestly think if Keegan Murray was there, they win that game. I think he would have been the difference in that game. Um, but you, you lose that one. You were up five with five minutes left. You lose a tough one of the Clippers tonight, but I'm not sweating an L to the Clippers. You're seeing this, this, Kings team is improving. You're seeing there's actual guys there. Kevin Herter is a guy for them. I really do think that Keegan Murray is a guy. And then they have role players. They just need Sabonis to play better. De'Aaron is absolutely locked in. De'Aaron has given you 30 a night consistently in the mid-range from three in the paint. He's a blur, but he's so fast and in control. He has unbelievable body control, and he combines that. And it's it's really unstoppable when he's getting downhill and into the lane. Um but you combine this team that's playing well and then you got the Mike Brown factor. Like I got to think the Mike Brown factor is like worth 
I, I'm not going to try and put a number on it, but it definitely is there. You're going into that place. Obviously, they left on good terms. They didn't fire him, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know who Mike Brown is fully. I don't can't tell you for sure, but I can tell you that for me, I would be fired up. I would be, and I, I, I would, I think that my team would be able to sense that and, and want to really get that for me. On top of that, they haven't won, you know, this year. And you're getting a fatty spread at nine and a half. You just have to be somewhat in this game. And I think they will be. And I honestly think this probably gets bet, bet up to 10, 10 and a half. So I'm going to wait. So it's a decent lean on the Kings. Um, and it's not because we're not good. Like, I think we are. I just think there's going to be pockets of the game where the, where the Kings can exploit us and, and go on runs. Um, and that's where I'm at. All right. All right. Let's get to the last game. I'm getting tired. Uh, Clippers and Suns in LA. Clippers holding steady as two point favorites right now. Um, I think most of the money's been on the Suns, but again, it's very early. The line came out within, you know, the last couple hours. Um, I don't think they've taken a ton of bets. So, um, for me, guys, I lean Clippers. I do. Um, pretty. Wire almost a wire to wire win against the Lakers. I know the Lakers came back, but you know the Lakers were playing well. Lakers were playing well, um, and then tonight it's not honestly. I know the Kings are owned too, but they're not. It hasn't been. Neither of those wins have been easy. Like you've you've definitely had to earn them. And tonight was without John Wall and Kawhi Leonard. Um, with the Suns, man, I'm, I'm still concerned about the depth. I do. They were they got dominated for a large portion of that Mavs game. Um, the Blazers game, they were probably slightly better, but the second half, the Blazers were better. Second half, the Blazers were better, um, and the Blazers won in overtime. You know, like I, I just think it's Booker, CP, McCall, Cam, and Aiden. And outside of that campaign, you can trust a little bit. And uh, But even there, Chris Paul does not look like who he's been in the past. Uh, Cam Johnson is hurt. You know, Devin Booker is amazing. McCall Bridges and, and DA, those three of those young core are, are doing their jobs and, and doing them well. But it's the NBA, man. And you need depth, and the Clippers have the most of it in the league. Uh, you just go down the line with their team. It's ridiculous. I'm going to try and dome it. But John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Avika Zubach, Robert Covington, Luke Kennard, Amir Coffey. Like, and when you do it, you usually forget someone. Like, I, I probably forgot someone in there too. But, you know, it's I, I, I cannot sit here and say that the Suns are a better team right now. I can't. I, I can't do that. And they, I think they have the head coach advantage too. Monty's a good coach. I'm not going to say he's not. But um, I, I think Ty Lue's a top three coach. I do, and he has a, honestly, in terms of overall talent, a top three roster. So, like, that just gives you a lot of upside, and uh, it's a back-to-back, but I think everyone should go. Paul George is healthy. Like, Paul George is healthy. I think he should be good to go, but I would not be, like, at all surprised if at 2 o'clock a report comes out, Paul George out rest or not even won't even say rest it'll say a fake injury just like knee soreness elbow soreness right um you can't trust this clippers team when it comes to that i know the Suns are gonna play cam's actually questionable but like these guys are gonna play obviously it's not a back-to-back so you wouldn't even need to worry about that but 
Um, I want to make sure that there's no funny business with the injuries before I go in on this game, but I like the Clippers. Um, I don't really, can't really do props. Most of them aren't out. Um, but I'll, there is one I'll, I will say I like, and that's going to be my Conley over assist, whatever it is. I can't imagine it's higher than six and a half. And even if it's six and a half, it's probably, you know, with pretty good odds, maybe dude, no, I can't even see it being seven and a half. If it is, it's going to be really good odds. Um, averaging 17 and a half potential assists a game right now. I know one of those was an overtime game. Um, but like stable role, getting plenty of assists, plenty of guys to pass through who are shooters. Um, that is what I look at. But I'll obviously tweet out any other props that I come across through the night. We got Lakers baby lean, strong lean Hawks, Jazz baby lean, Thunder medium lean. It's a uh, medium baby. Uh, King strong lean. Clippers strong lean, but we just obviously got to see how the how the news shakes out. Other than that, guys, I hope you have a great Sunday. Maybe you're listening to it at night. We have a great night, um, and we'll be we're right back at it tomorrow. The grind is long, but if we love it, we can do it every day, and that's the goal. Good luck to whatever you play. I hope this helped, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.